Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, all of the ground is sinking sand, and so we ask you to build us on the solid rock, on Jesus. And Lord, make us eager and ready to share his love with the world around us. In your name we pray, amen. He was standing at the counter and he noticed that the girl behind the counter was wearing this beautiful hand-carved cross necklace. And so he said to her, he said, that's a, that's a beautiful necklace, I really like it. And, and she replied with a very simple, powerful witness. She said, I really like the one who died on the cross. He died for me. And guess what? He's alive. That's all she said. Now, she could have. She could have said, thank you. But apparently this young lady had thought ahead of time of what she would say if someone asked about her necklace. Her words weren't preachy. They were well chosen. They came from her heart. She was ready. And as I considered that story, I thought about the fact, you know, even talking about being a contagious Christian and, and, and sharing our faith. And one of the things I've urged you to do and, and urged myself to do is to begin praying for people you know and praying that God would give you the opportunity to share your faith. And it got me to thinking, when, not if. When God answers that prayer and gives you that opportunity, are you ready? Have you prepared? That, that's in verse 15 of our epistle reading today. That's what, that's what Peter is, is talking to us about, how to, how to be prepared and and, and the first thing he says to us is maybe, maybe the most important of all. He says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. You see, witnessing about Jesus always begins in your heart. Your heart is where you make commitments. Your heart is where you make decisions in the scripture. And that's where witnessing begins. With Jesus at the center of your heart. Now, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the fact that he wants us to, he wants to be our master. He wants us to reverence him as Lord, not just on Sunday morning but throughout the week. Not just in here, but everywhere. And it reminded me of something that a, one of the professors at Mequon once said to me. He said, Wayne, our job, and I want to get this right, 
is about moving people from the ancillary Christ to the supreme Christ. And you know, when he said that to me, I nodded my head knowingly. And then when he left, I ran to my office to find out what the word ancillary meant. It means supplemental, supportive. Something that's supplemental is not the main thing. And so what he was saying is, Wayne, our job as church workers, our job as pastors, as professors, is to help people to grow from where Christ is one of the things in their life to where Christ is the main thing, the heart of their life. That is essential to being a contagious Christian. I mean, think about your God. It is because you are his treasure. It is because you are, the Bible says, the apple of his eye. It is because he desires you more than anything else that he gave his own son. My friends, it's the same with you and me. It's when Jesus is the treasure of our hearts that we will share him with others. That's where it begins. Then, then comes the next thing. Always be prepared, he says, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason the hope that you have. See, you and I have something the world desperately needs. We have hope. We have confidence in God no matter what's going on. On. And witness is all about the hope you have being ready to explain that hope to others. And so you and I need to nurture that hope in our lives. People need to see us living out that hope in our lives. I don't mean just being optimistic or a glass is half full kind of person. I don't mean just plastering your, a smile on your face and pretending that everything is okay when it's not. The hope that the Bible talks about is something deeper. Substantive. It's something that knows that no matter what happens, we're certain God is with us. And God, and it's a, it's a knowledge that God can take even the most difficult, challenging things in life and work them together for his good. You realize God, is, every Sunday we get, have gathered since March, God has been doing something like that. Right here. He's taken COVID and done something good with it. It's those two cameras right back there. 
It's because of COVID that we live stream now. It's because of what God is doing through all this. Today, one of our members, he texted me yesterday. He's sitting in the hospital here in Sugarland. He said, Pastor, I'm going to be watching tomorrow on TV. God did that through COVID. You know, I got a couple weeks ago, actually about a month ago, uh, Susan got a phone call, and then I, a couple weeks ago, I got a, an email from a lady who lives in Michigan, who first started watching our Bible study on Revelation, and she was, had been in the hospital then, and then now, she, when, when COVID happened, God led her back to fishes of men, and for several months, she's been worshiping with us, and she loves this church, even though she's never been here, and she feels at home with us. God used a terrible thing and made something good come out of it. See, that's, that's our hope in Christ. And it's born of this fact, folks, that the biggest story, the biggest issue in everybody's life, sin and death, has been taken care of by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That God has already won the battle. Satan has already been defeated. Sin has already been paid for. Christ has been raised to the dead. Death has lost its sting. And we know because of all that that God is hip deep involved in this world. And because of him, we are able to see hope in any and every situation. Now, I don't get me wrong. I know that as Christians, you and I are not positive all the time. We have ups and downs. We are moody. At least I am. It's weird now. I see my wife and the staff laughing. Um, That's why I love the story of a famous artist named Vincent Van Gogh. I wonder how many of you know that he was the son of a pastor. And one time he thought about being a missionary. Now Van Gogh had a hard life. He had mental problems, mental issues, right? Mental illness. He had epilepsy. He died at the age of 37. If you look at his paintings, as I understand it, his early paintings are very dark and depressing. But as he gets older, more yellow begins to come into his painting. Yellow for him was the color of hope. And it gets more and more dominant as he comes towards the end of his life. And even to the point where he, when he paints the raising of Lazarus, he paints himself into the painting as Lazarus rejoicing in the resurrection. That's our lives, good and bad. And with each new experience, with each new struggle, as God carries us through, you know what God does? He uses that to give us hope and more hope, ever-increasing hope for the next struggle that comes along. So the people look at us, and especially this is true of the people who know you and who know me, look at us and they see that hope and they wonder, what is going on? Why? Are you so hopeful? That's when, as Peter writes, we need always be prepared 
to give an answer. Now that word answer is the word apologia, which means to make a defense, to, to defend the hope. It's where we get the word apology. Apologetics is the act of making a defense for the Christian faith. We are to be prepared, folks, to make that kind of defense. And that means that we need to know what we believe. We need to know what the Scripture teaches about sin and grace, about heaven and hell, about who Jesus is and why he came. That's why the Bible class on Sunday morning and the, the ladies' class on Monday night and Kathy's class on Wednesday morning and the small groups and the confirmation class and the youth class. That's why that's all important. And folks, when we're together, when we're with one another, we got to be ready to start asking and talking about hard questions. Why? Bad things happen to good people. How can you believe in a six-day creation? Is there really only one way? How can there be so many hypocrites in the church? Folks, we need to be talking about those questions because they're asking them out there. And we need to be ready. Sometimes we'll have answers. Sometimes we'll have to say, I, I don't know. Sometimes we'll have to say, you know, the Bible doesn't answer that question. But we need to be ready because there are those kinds of questions out there that people, whether they admit it or not, are struggling with. And so he tells us to be prepared to give our answers. Now notice this, with gentleness and with respect. Now that word gentleness means that the hard Edges are smoothed over. That means that in our witness, we are not to be like really rough sandpaper rubbing up against people. God calls us not to judge people outside of the faith, but to love them, to treat them with respect, to listen to them, even, even when they disagree, even when they don't believe, even when they have questions or doubt or become argumentative. Ours is not to be the kind of witness that I saw in a cartoon. A Christian is talking to an unbeliever, says to him, have you heard the good news? And the unbeliever answers, no, what's the good news? And the Christian stammers and stutters around for a second. Finally, he says, you're going to hell. To which the non-believer answers, oh my, what's the bad news? Folks, that's not a winsome witness. We're called to be gentle, 
caring. It's recognized that all the people out there who don't know Christ, like us, have brokenness in their lives. They have questions. They will challenge our faith. And God asks us to love them anyway. To care about who they are. And to ask God for an opportunity and then be ready when he opens that door. There was a guy who used to have a, and I don't know if he still does have a a podcast, his name was Randy Kilgore. And in one of his broadcasts, he tells the story of meeting an unbelieving woman on a subway and he's talking with her and in the course of his conversation, he asks her, he asks her, what are some things you want from co-workers in your office that are Christian. And I'm going to finish with this because even though she's an unbeliever, the questions that she asks, the things that she says, almost exactly match what Peter said. Here was her answer. First, I wish my Christian co-workers knew more about their faith about what they believe. Second, I wish my Christian co-workers had more hope in hard times. Third, I wish they were more curious about the hard questions of life so that when asked these questions, they'd have some answers. Fourth, I wish my Christian co-workers would behave more honorably. And finally, I wish they were more compassionate and gentle. Now, folks, you can get defensive about that. And you think, what is that? who does she to know us and all this other stuff and be upset? But it sounds to me, if you're upset with, if I'm upset with what she said, like we're being upset then with St. Peter, because it's exactly the same thing Peter said to us. It sounds to me like what this woman was looking for is a contagious Christian. I've been inviting you to be praying for opportunities to share your faith. Now I'm going to ask you, are you ready? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.